Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Bono Behbudi, and I'm thrilled to be back for part two of our conversation with Jessica Noble. If you missed the first episode, Jessica is the head of strategy and managing partner at Magnetic Experiences. She is also an author, a speaker, and an expert on business strategy and customer experience. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. The topic was addressing the current environment, highly inflationary, and how best to respond to that and some tools to continue to maintain your margin while continuing the customer experience at a superior level. Jessica, let's dive in again. Welcome. Happy to. Thank you. So in the last episode, we did talk about how to continue delivering to your clients, as I said, in an inflationary market without having any kind of negative impact on your margins. We also talked about the tools professional services firms can use to navigate these challenges. But today, I'm very excited because I've read your book, which was fantastic, by the way, The Five Customer Experience Mistakes you don't know you're making that are causing profit erosion. What I loved about it, it was a quick read, but it was structured in a very clear manner by highlighting the five critical mistakes that companies that are in a high growth path and need to scale quickly are making in terms of being able to maintain a consistent customer experience. But then you also very quickly touch on the impact that that can have And then you provide very tangible solutions on how companies can avoid that. So today we're going to dive in and and use your book as a basis to really understand what are the mistakes that companies do make and how they can ensure that they address those so that they can be responsive in in a highly volatile environment and be able to scale and maintain their customer experience. So with that, if you can just tell us a little bit about, let's start with the five common critical mistakes that are made by these high growth companies that is basically eats into the customer experience. Yeah, these are the five things that I've seen working in the small to mid-sized business space. So I'd say, you know, anywhere just sub 1 billion in revenue. And like you mentioned, high growth companies. The first thing is they're really flying blind without having the right data and insights at their fingertips. And if they do have them, they haven't disciplined themselves or their organization to apply that to have data-informed decision-making. So that's the first mistake that I see. The second is relying on heroes to deliver great experiences. And I talk about it's not having heroes isn't the mistake Overly relying on heroes to deliver great experiences is a mistake and a very costly one. The third is neglecting to dig into root causes. And this is where we keep solving the same fire, the same and responding to the same fire drill over and over and over. And one of the issues with that is you've already delivered a subpar experience. And then you're remedying it and not getting to the root of it. So you're not getting the benefit of all of this effort you're putting in to deliver because it's reactive. The fourth mistake is failing to walk in your customer's shoes regularly. When I talk to executives and, you know, we're talking about their customers, I would say more often than not, they're 
very confident that they know their customers. Overly confident, I would say. And it's either one, it's very dated information. They talk to, you know, a lot of customers three, six, nine, 12 months ago. Or they talk to a role in a company, the CEO or the CFO, as opposed to actually experiencing what they serve and deliver them the firsthand. So living their service, going through it, being put on hold, having a delayed delivery, trying to do a return, having consultants show up and getting off to a a rocky and what can feel like an unproductive start. So that was the fourth one. And the fifth one, and this one is so tempting, especially when times are tight, and that is lacking a laser focus on your ideal customer or your target client profile. So in professional services, this is when we used to get more RFPs, but even when you know someone, they bring you an opportunity and you respond with a proposal or with an offer of services but it's not quite in your sweet spot of what you do. And that bar of it's not quite in our sweet spot moves. So there's things we can do opportunistically. It maybe isn't what we market for, but we have the skills and capabilities and we know how to do it. That may be okay. But when you move out a ring even further to clients that are a little smaller or a little bigger than what you're used to, that are in an industry that you're not used to, or the one that I see the most, and this is with clients that are bigger than you're used to, is trying to move from the small to mid-sized space that you serve to moving to the enterprise space. And the expectation of those client sets are very very different. And so when you start serving more and more clients outside of your target profile or target company, it can be very costly to provide an experience that they appreciate to the same degree that a client would that is in that is in your target profile. Yeah, a lot of a lot of what you just mentioned resonates because people we, you know, as an advisory for Cantata, when I get them engaged with with a prospect or a client, a lot of times the challenge they're facing is exactly the fact that they are driving blind, right? And, and they don't they don't understand what's going on in their professional services because they don't have the systems in place to help them. They don't have the processes in place to drive consistent data so that they can be predictive. So everything is reactive. And really, a lot of times when companies are coming to us, if they're not enterprise, they're high growth, they're having multiple levels of growth every year, whether it's organically and inorganically, and they've gotten to a point where it's just not possible anymore, right? And and it goes hand in hand with relying on heroes, right? In those companies, a lot of times they bring up, well, we have, you know, Jane who does this. And, and God forbid, if Jane no longer is there, wills a million, wins a million dollars and decides to leave, the system falls apart because it's not well-defined processes enabled through technology so that, yeah, Jane leaves, it's going to be unfortunate and there will be some gaps, but it'll be very efficient and effective to close those gaps. So, so on and so forth, going down the list of every one of your mistakes, it was, it really resonated with me, but just wanted to go back to the ideal customer. 
And I think that's so critical. And so many companies that are scaling quickly don't take the time to really do that analysis. And you did mention enterprise level client has very different needs and expectations than midsize or a sort of a commercial entry level client. And so once you understand who you're targeting for, and if you feel that you're prepared to take that leap forward and expand your go-to-market strategy and, and expand that to enterprise, what are some of the tactics and strategies that you can use to, to make sure that you prepare to respond to that, again, consciously, now you've decided, I'm ready to go after these enterprise clients. What are some of the steps and things you need to to make sure that you're successful in doing so, expanding that customer base? The number one thing is now that you have, I'm going to say a second, but you could have a third and fourth type of ideal client profile, you need to understand that profile and what is it that they want? What is it they need? What is it that they value? And truly, what are their expectations at every key point in the journey so that you can prepare to meet those needs? And the contract process can be kind of a classic one at the beginning is how do they approach that process? And there are likely um, many more legal folks participating in that. They likely have things that they require in contracts, whereas you may have more flexibility with a smaller company. And then when you get to delivery, there's, I think, a lot of times more flexibility in terms of give and take with a small and mid-sized business. Whereas with a big company, that would you would need to do potentially a lot more tracking to make sure that the contract is being enforced, that any changes are documented, which these are all good practices to document and track. However, when you work with a small and mid-sized companies, a lot of times the latitude for getting things done more informally is something that you become accustomed to. And if you fail to deliver, the way that you remedy that may be very different for, again, a small and mid-sized company as compared to an enterprise one. And what happens when you don't deliver may very quickly be out of the hands of the person that you contracted with. It may escalate out of their hands so much more quickly than it might in an SMB where you may well have been contracting with VP, senior VP, or even someone in the C-suite. So understanding their wants and needs, understanding their expectations along every step of that support at the end of the journey, another piece, what are their expectations? What are their SLAs? And are you set up to deliver that? And if you're not, you know, putting together a plan to get there. And so getting to the second part of uh, your analysis in your book, which is, okay, what's the impact? What's the erosion that happens? Um, what are these mistakes? What is the impact of these mistakes to sustaining revenue and margin and ultimately that superior client experience? It's not too difficult when you're going through and you see the five mistakes to pop into your mind where you are making those. And so really gathering an inventory of the mistakes that you think that you're making and then doing a rough back of a napkin or on a bar stool coaster. What is the impact 
how many times is this issue occurring? How much time is it taking? What is it costing us? Order of magnitude size. Because then you can do a really quick two by two, which, you know, you have two axes that cross each other, which then makes, you know, kind of a, a quad, four boxes. And on your two axes, you can have impact and effort. So what's the effort to address this? What's the impact it'll have? And a great place to start to build momentum is the areas that land in their low effort, high impact. So it's not going to take a ton to fix them, but it's going to have a big impact. And there are usually so many more of these types of things than you'll ever imagine. And a lot of times, as I mentioned, I believe in our previous conversation, You'll have a system and it can actually do the thing that is causing a lot of pain for whether it's your team members or your clients, but you don't, you don't even know that because you're not using that part of the system. Maybe you didn't need it when you implemented it. Maybe it was deprioritized, but if you used it now or if you did a low code automation, you could address it really quickly. Identifying the low hanging fruits and, and going after those immediately would be a, a great next step to that. So then diving into the solutions, I know you, you sort of prescribe a four step solution to, to manage this. So do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. It's, it's not fancy. I'm not fancy. It's really, again, a way to think about we need to diagnose the problem. A lot of times we, we can see what the mistake is, or even more often, we can see what the symptom is, but we don't know that root cause. So let's diagnose what's causing this. Is it that we're not addressing the root cause of something? Drill down into it. Look at a little bit of the data. How often is this happening? What's it costing us? And again, it can just be order of magnitude. Is it taking us, you know, two extra days a month to close out our books because we don't have a great monthly close procedure? Is it taking us four hours a week to run and understand our utilization, our capacity? So you're going to diagnose the problem, drill down just to understand the magnitude. Then you make a decision. What are the priorities? We're going to decide. And then the fourth one, do it. Like, stop talking about it. Let's do it. I'm going to get things done person. It's better to make a decision and do it rather than debate for weeks upon end on which should be the priority, especially when you're starting with low hanging fruit where the effort it's going to take and or the out of pocket expense is typically fairly nominal. So it doesn't have to be perfect. And and to your comment that it's not fancy, I know I'm not looking, I don't know about the rest of the listeners, definitely not looking for fancy. I love simple because simple makes me understand and, and allows, allows a path to success. So love that four step, diagnose, drill down, decide and just get it done. You know, just don't aim for perfection, aim for solving what you have and then continuously improving it. So extremely helpful. I highly recommend that our readers read the book. But before, before I get to that point, again, coming to that personal element of Jessica Noble, if you being an author, I'm going to ask you a different question for this one. And I'm dying to know any recommended books, what's on your bedstand now that you're reading that you'd recommend to the listeners. So I tend to have lots of books that I'm, you know, working my way through at the same time. One that I just actually picked back up and was going through 
so that I could refresh my memory was Death by Meeting by Patrick Lencioni. So he's the author that wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and he writes in a story fashion, so you actually feel like you're a part of a team, and then he is illustrating points from it. Death by Meeting, so good. He talks about all the ways that they're just a time suck, and then what can you do about it? So that was an excellent book. It's a very quick read. The other one that I'm working my way through is called The War of Art. It's how to break through the things that block your inner creativity. I would say it is considered a business book, even though it doesn't sound like it. And if you haven't heard of the author, his name is Stephen Pressfield. He also wrote a book that more people may have heard of because of the movie. It's called The Legend of Bagger Vance. It was a movie, I don't know how long ago, with Matt Damon and Will Smith. But his book, The War of Art, so far, very interesting, and I would highly recommend it, although I'm not through it yet. Fantastic. So hopefully we'll have another session. You can tell us the once you finish the book, how, how your read is of it after that. If you would like to read Jessica's book, The Five Customer Experience Mistakes You Don't Know You're Making That Are Causing Profit Erosion, we're going to be doing a giveaway. The first four people to email us at podcast at cantata.com will receive a copy in the mail. It is a really informative, quick read. I highly recommend it. Thanks again, Jessica. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, if you have any follow-up questions for myself or Jessica, send us an email at podcast at cantata.com. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Jessica. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.